Thank you, Brother Dunn, for leading us in our singing and our worship to God. I want to thank Brother Greg for his great talk at the Lord's Supper table. And just thank all of you once again for your love for God, your love for truth, and you being here this morning to give praise and honor to the creator of the universe. If you have your Bible with you, take it out, please. Go over to Matthew chapter 6. Please go to Matthew chapter 6 in your New Testament. I want to begin this lesson by directing your attention to the verses that Brother Micah read for us this morning. I want you to notice how in verse number 25 of that section that Brother Micah read, Jesus gives us a very interesting admonition. He gives us a very interesting instruction. He tells us in Matthew 6 and verse number 25, do not be worried. He says, do not be worried about your life. Question, have you ever struggled with that before? You ever struggle with that instruction? You ever struggle with, with worry? I'm going to honestly admit to you this morning that out of the numerous flaws I have in my life, and believe me, they are numerous, but out of all the flaws I have in my life, what Jesus talks about here in this verse, it's got to be at the top of the list. It is one of my main problems. It is one of my main struggles. My wife will tell you, as well as, well as many other people here will tell you, that if I'm not careful at various times in my life, I can be a worrier. I can be a worrier. I can, I can have a serious problem with worry. In fact, there have been times when I have struggled with worry so much that I didn't even want to get out of bed. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to sleep. I didn't want to do anything but just lay in my bed with the blinds closed and look at the wall and worry. I just wanted to stay right where I was and be consumed in my problems. I can't begin to tell you how many times I have fallen into that pit before. The question is, what about you? You ever also struggled with the same thing? You ever also struggled with, with worry? You ever struggled with anxiousness? You ever struggled with allowing something beyond your control to just chew up and consume all your time? You ever struggle with worry? Could you by any chance be struggling with worry right now? Could you by any chance be struggling to focus in your worship this morning? Because you're worried about something. Maybe you're worried about a marriage problem you're having right now. Maybe you're worried about something going on with one of your children. Maybe you're worried because you have a, a son or a daughter that's currently not living a faithful life to God. Maybe you're worried because you just recently got laid off from your job. Maybe you're worried because you're worried about catching COVID on your job. Maybe you're worried about the future of our country. 
Maybe you're worried about your children and your and your grandchildren having to grow up in a in a country that each and every day is getting further and further away from the will of God. Maybe you're worried about another possible lockdown coming next year. Or having to do virtual learning again for a while. Or maybe you're worried about whether or not the vaccines the scientists have been working on are truly going to be effective. Are you struggling with worry and anxiousness concerning the challenges of life right now? Well, if so, I want you to know something. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the great physician, he has the solution to your problem. He has a solution to my problem. He has a solution to all of our problem when it comes to conquering one of the worst slave masters, and that is worry. You see, my dear friends, if we're going to avoid allowing worry to consume us and render us useless in the kingdom of God, then we got to be willing to do four very important things according to Jesus. The first thing we got to be willing to do is we got to be willing to check our priorities. We got to check our priorities. We got to check our priorities right here and right now. Let me tell you something. The idea of checking our priorities, making sure our priorities are in line with the will of God, that is one of the main things that Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 6. That is, in fact, the main thing that he's emphasizing back in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 25. I want you to go back and look carefully in Matthew 6 and verse number 25. Notice again how in Matthew 6 and verse 25, Jesus says, do not be worried. He said, do not be worried about your life. I submit to you this morning that when Jesus says, do not be worried about your life in that verse, he is not saying that all kinds of worry are bad. He is not saying that all kinds of concerns are bad. He is not saying that it is wrong and sinful to be concerned about certain kinds of things at various times in our lives. If that is what he is teaching there, then that idea would contradict many other passages that are found in the Bible. For example, it would contradict what Solomon taught us in in Proverbs chapter 6, if you remember in Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon urges us to, to be wise like the ant. Remember that? Remember how Solomon calls the ant a wise creature? Why is the ant a wise creature? Well, the ant is a wise creature because, because he prepares for the future. Because he's concerned about the future because he knows that the winter is going to come each and every year. And if he doesn't have enough food stored up for that time, well, guess what? He's going to die. The ant is commended by Solomon because he's wise. He's concerned and prepares for the future. And then you put that with what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 through 29. We won't take the time to read that this morning, but if you go home and read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, there you will see that when it came to the Apostle Paul and his life, there were some things that caused him to worry. There, there, there were some things that caused him to have some serious concerns, specifically the spiritual welfare of his brethren. That caused Paul to have some serious concerns. 
the welfare of his brethren. That was something that was constantly on his mind. That was something that was heavy on Paul's heart. And guess what? It also needs to be heavy on our hearts. We need to have some serious concerns whenever we learn of a brother or sister who's not living faithful to God. It is certainly appropriate to have concerns about the spiritual welfare of brothers and sisters in Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. Those kind of concerns are good and proper, but the question is, the question is, what is Jesus teaching in Matthew 6 and verse 25? What is Jesus specifically referring to when he tells us not to worry about our life in that particular verse? Well, I want to submit that if we're going to get a proper understanding of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 and verse 25 when he mentions worry, then we need to go back to the, to the chapter and we need to study carefully the, the context of the verse. We need to study carefully the context of Matthew 6 and verse 25. Notice how in Matthew 6 and verse 25, Jesus begins that verse, or that verse begins with the word for. Do you see that? For. You know that whenever the word for is used at the beginning of a verse, and that means that you must connect what is being said in that verse back to the previous verses, right? The word for connects that verse back to what was said in the prior verses. So what is said in the prior verses? Well, we go back to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And there Jesus tells us that we need to make storing up spiritual treasures in heaven a top priority in our lives. Do you see that? Jesus says above storing up earthly treasures, we need to make sure that storing up heavenly or spiritual treasures is the top priority in our lives. We store up spiritual treasures when we do things that glorify God, things like prayer and Bible study and evangelism and doing good works to brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus says that we need to make storing up heavenly treasures the main goal of life. And then in verses 22 and 23, Jesus talks about spiritual vision. He talks about heavenly vision. He says above having earthly vision, we need to challenge ourselves to always see things from God's perspective. We need to see ourselves from God's perspective. We need to see the loss from God's perspective. Jesus says that spiritual vision needs to be a top priority in life. And then look at verse 24. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in wealth, or you can't serve God in money. You can't have two masters. Do you see the point Jesus is making in the prior verses? Do you see how when you study Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, carefully in its context, there you will clearly see that in the context of that verse, the Lord is not condemning all kinds of worry. He's not condemning all kinds of concern. He's not saying that all forms of worry and concern are sinful. Instead, he is saying that worry can become a problem for us when we get consumed in it. When we immerse ourselves in it, when we allow it to distort our priorities and render us unfruitful and unproductive in the kingdom of God. 
That's when worry can be a problem. And Jesus talks about this also in the parable of the sower. You remember Matthew 13? Go back to uh, Matthew 13 and look at verse 22. Matthew 13, 22. And talking about the person who has the thorny soil kind of heart. Jesus says in Matthew 13 and verse 22, And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word and the what? The worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes what? It becomes unfruitful. What Jesus is talking about there is exactly the same thing he's talking about in Matthew 6 and verse 25. Like in Matthew 6 and verse 25, here in Matthew 13 and verse 22, when Jesus talks about worry, he's not condemning all kinds of worry. Instead, he's condemning, he's condemning the kind of worry that consumes a disciple. He's condemning the kind of worry that distracts a disciple. He's condemning the kind of worry that prevents a disciple from growing and bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. You see, my dear friends, when we allow worry about the problems of this life to distract us from growing in the kingdom of God and bearing fruit for the glory of God, then guess what? Now we got a problem. Now we got a big problem. Now we are part of the group of people that Jesus is talking about here in the parable of the sower. Jesus is saying that we can't get so consumed in worry that it renders us unfruitful in the kingdom of God. He is telling us that if we're going to conquer this wicked and awful slave master, then the first thing we got to do is we got to check our priorities. We got to check our priorities. We got to ask ourselves today, is God really first place in our lives? Is Jesus really first place in our lives? Is seeking to do the, the will of Jesus the top priority in our lives? Or are we constantly consumed and, and worried about the things of this world? I mean, right now in your life, are you living a life of constant worry because you're just totally consumed in your career? You're totally consumed in moving up the ladder and getting as many promotions as possible. Are you totally consumed in making good grades? Are you totally consumed in excelling in a sport? Are you totally consumed in the stock market? Or with politics or social media or doing whatever you have to do to, to not contract COVID? You see, why there's nothing wrong with having some level of concern about those kinds of things, my dear friends, according to Jesus, we must never let those things distract us from doing God's will. We, we must never allow those things to dominate our lives, to dominate our hearts and our minds. We must never let those kinds of things spiritually disable us to the point to where we're now unproductive and unfruitful in the kingdom of God. That's when worry can become a serious problem in the life of the disciple. Jesus says that if we're going to conquer the slave master of worry, then it starts with checking our priorities. 
We got to make sure that our priorities are in line with the will of God. We got to make sure that God in doing his will is the top priority in our lives. And then after we check our priorities, the second thing we got to do is we got to trust God. We, we, we got to trust God. We got to trust that if we do put God in his will first place in our lives, he's going to take care of us. He's going to make sure that everything's okay. Go back to that sermon again, Matthew 6. Go back to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse number 31. Matthew 6, 31. Jesus says this, Do not worry then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For Gentiles, and the Gentiles there is a reference to people who are not disciples, the people of the world. The people of the world eagerly seek after all these things. They're always trying to get ahead and they're seeking after the things of the world. But your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. God knows what you need. Now look at verse 33. Look at verse 33. But seek first. There's your priorities. There it is. Priorities. Seek first his kingdom. The kingdom there, the kingdom of God that is mentioned there is not a reference to the church, although the church is part of that. That's not what Jesus is talking about in the immediate context. Most of the time when the word kingdom is used in the Bible, it is used to refer to the rule of God. The rule of God, the authority of God, the kingship and sovereignty of God. Seek first the rule, the authority of God and his righteousness. That is God's method or prescription for making us righteous. And all these things will be added unto you. You see the point the Lord is making there? The Lord says, make sure you put God first place in your life and trust him then. Trust that if you do put God first place in your life, he'll make sure you have everything you need. I really like what the Lord says there in that verse. I like it because it shows us that contrary to what a lot of people in our world today believe, God is the one who is providing us with all this stuff we have. God is the one who's taking care of us. God is the one who's always watching over us. God is the one who may not give us everything we want in our lives, but he will give us everything we need. He'll give us everything we need to be sustained and to survive. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says that God takes care. He takes care of his people. And he doesn't just say that there, but doesn't he say that all throughout this section? Go back to verse number 26. Doesn't he make this point when he mentions the birds of the air? In verse 26, Jesus says God takes care of the birds of the air. God sustains the birds of the air. God makes sure that those little bitty creatures have always have enough food to eat. He takes care of the birds of the air. And then in verses 28 through 29, he says that he takes care of the lilies of the field. Jesus says that, that not even the great King Solomon, as glorious as he, as he was, was clothed like the lilies of the field. God makes sure that the lilies of the field have proper clothing. And then in verse number 30, he says that God also takes care of even the grass of the field. He says that even though the grass of the field doesn't have much value, even though it's here for one season and gone the next, even though it's here today and it can be thrown into the furnace tomorrow, God still provides for it. 
God still takes care of it. God still blesses even the grass of the field. God takes care of the birds. And God takes care of the lilies. And God takes care of the grass. And the point is, if God will take care of those things, things that were not created in his image, how much more can we expect him to take care of us? How much more can we expect him to make sure that we have everything we need to be sustained and to survive in this life? I mean, if God takes care of birds and grass, then certainly he'll take care of us, right? Certainly he'll take care of Sean Jeffries. And he'll take care of you. He'll take care of his people. In fact, think about this. If we're truly his people, if we're truly Christians, if we're truly members of the Lord's church, then the worst thing that can happen to us in this life is if we die and we get to go and be in the presence of God. I mean, because God took care of our greatest need. 2,000 years ago, by giving us his son at Calvary, then the worst thing that can happen to us in this life is we die and get to go and be in paradise. We get to go and be in the presence of God. The last time I checked, brothers and sisters, according to the Bible, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. In fact, that's the best thing that could ever happen to us. That is far better than any situation this life has to offer. Because we serve a God who has promised to provide for our physical needs even during a pandemic. And because we serve a God who has already provided for our greatest need, our spiritual need through Jesus, then we have nothing but good reason to put our trust in him. We have nothing but good, solid reason to trust him with all our heart and our soul and our mind. People who trust God are able to free themselves from the slave master of worry. Jesus says we got to make sure our priorities are right. And we got to put our trust in God. And then thirdly, Jesus also wants us to understand that worrying about things in this life, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. For those of you who are like me at times, and you fall into the pitfall of despair and worry. Let me ask you something. Did worrying about that problem change anything? Did it make our lives better? Did it, did it make whatever problem we had go away? If you're like me, worrying about a problem that you have no control over doesn't change anything. Doesn't make your life better. And I guess I should know that already when I'm going through that kind of stuff because Jesus told me in Matthew 6 and verse 27. Look at Matthew 6, 27. Jesus said, and who of you, by being worried, can do what? Add a single hour to his life. What's Jesus saying there? Well, simply put, the Lord is saying that worrying about things beyond our control, it's just worthless. It's absolutely worthless. It is a worthless activity because it accomplishes nothing. It doesn't make our lives better. It doesn't make our problems go away. It doesn't add one more hour to our lives. It doesn't put more hair on our head. In fact, it takes hair off our head, right? It doesn't make us any younger. 
It doesn't make us taller or shorter. It doesn't make the person that we love who's passed away come back to life. I learned that firsthand six years ago when I lost someone that I love dearly. Worrying about things beyond our control, it accomplishes nothing good. It's useless. All it really does is, is it eats away at the already limited amount of time that we have on this earth. Remember what James said in James 4, our lives are just like a vapor. Appear for a little while, then they vanish away. We already have a very limited amount of time on this earth. I don't care if we live to be 100 years old. 100 years old is nothing compared to eternity. We don't have time to waste on worry. And so instead of being anxious and worrying about things beyond our control, how about we do three things the Bible recommends? First, how about we just, how about we pray? We pray. Instead of laying in our beds, worrying about things beyond our control, how about we just pause right where we are and just talk to God? Pour out our hearts to God. Let God know about what we're feeling in our hearts because if there's anybody who can help us with our situation, it's him, right? It's God. And Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, notice, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be, named, be made known to God. When you're anxious, when you're going through moments of stress in your life, take it to God. Take everything to God. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you do that, some good things are going to happen for you. Verse 7, if you take your matter to God, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, regards your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, please. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse number 6. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all, not some, casting all of your cares or your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Bible says, and we, when we have moments of anxiety and stress in our lives, we need to go to God first. We don't need to try to take matters into our own hands and work things out by ourselves. We need to go to God first. We need to go to God with these problems because he loves us and he cares for us. And if there's anybody that can help us, it's him. We need to pray. And then after we pray, we need to trust. You can't say that enough in a sermon like this. We got to trust God. We got to trust that God is faithful to hear our prayers and respond. He will do something. He will act in our best interest and in accordance to his will, which is always the best way to go. Instead of being consumed in worry, we got to pray. And we got to trust God. And then thirdly, we need to count our blessings. We, we need to do as the song says. Remember that song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Whenever we get stressed out and anxious in life, we need to literally do what that song says. 
We need to literally count our blessings. Get a piece of paper, write out your blessings, name them one by one. I promise you that if you do that exercise, you're going to feel so much better. That exercise is therapeutic. That exercise will help you have a good perspective about life because it'll help you realize that even though you may be in a bad situation at that time, your life is still pretty good. You've still been blessed by God in much and many more ways than you deserve. Instead of worrying about things beyond our control, we need to do the things that we can control, and that is we can pray. And we can trust God and we can make sure that we count our blessings and name them one by one and be thankful for those blessings. Jesus says we need to understand that worrying is not going to change anything. And then fourth and finally, he tells us to do this. He says that if we're going to conquer worry, we got to learn to take life one day at a time. One day at a time. Go back to Matthew 6 one more time, please. Matthew 6 one more time. Look at verse 34. After Jesus tells us to put God first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and then trust him. Trust him to give you everything you need to survive in this life. In verse 34, he says this, so do not worry about tomorrow. For, the, for tomorrow will care for itself each day. Has enough trouble on its own. What's the Lord talking about there? Well, the Lord's point there is when it comes to life, especially the busy lives of most Americans, we need to learn to slow down a little bit. We need to learn not to go so fast. We need to make sure that we don't get so bogged down and consumed in thinking about tomorrow or next month or next year or the next 10 years that we lose track of today. But before dealing with tomorrow or the day after tomorrow or next year or the next five years, we got to first get through today. We got enough problems today. We got enough stuff to do today. Our worrying about the future is not going to solve the things we need to do today. You see, if we're constantly consumed and what we think is going to happen in the next few days, a few months, a few years. You know what's going to happen to us? We're going to go crazy. We're going to lose our minds. In fact, I like the way one, illustrate, or one writer illustrated this by considering the average man's life. Listen to this. One writer said this. He said the average man's lifetime includes 20 years of sleeping. Six years of watching television, five years of shaving and dressing himself. Three years of waiting for others. More than likely, his wife is in mo much of that. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that probably. <laughs> One year on the telephone and four months tying his shoe. That's a man's life in a nutshell. And if you think of life from that perspective, you'll go crazy. You, you, you'll lose your mind. You, you'll find yourself worried all the time. 
You, you can't live your life always thinking about tomorrow or the next month or next year or the next 10 years. Instead, you, you, you got to stop at times and you got to smell the roses. You got to slow down a little bit. You got to appreciate the things that God has done for you today. Appreciate living in a free country today. Appreciate religious liberty in this country today. Appreciate your, your spouse and your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids today. Appreciate your home and your source of income and your brothers and sisters today. Stop and smell the roses today. And also realize there's only so much you can do in a day. You know, there may be a lot of things we want to do in a day. There may be a lot of things we plan to do in a day, but the fact of the matter is when you think about a day, a day is really kind of short. There's only 24 hours in the day. That's not really a long amount of time, and there's only so much you can do in 24 hours. Instead of focusing on the 24 hours tomorrow, appreciate your life each day and focus on being wise with the time gives you, God gives you on that day. Be wise with your time each day. Use those 24 hours God gives you each day to do, to do the most important things that you could ever do in your life, and that is serve God, serve Jesus, prepare yourself for eternity. Don't think about 10 years from now or five years from now. Don't get consumed in tomorrow. Use today to do what's right. Use today to read your Bible, to do your Bible reading today. Use today to pray more. Use today to spend quality time with your spouse and with your kids. Use today to call or visit a sick or shut-in disciple. Use today to try to help somebody go to heaven. Use today to be thankful. Use today to try to help as many people as you can. Instead of allowing our minds to be full of anxiety pertaining to the things of tomorrow, let's just focus on today. Let's focus on doing it right today. We don't even know if tomorrow is going to come. We could die or the Lord could come back today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we do know we have today. We do know that God has blessed us to bring him glory today. So my question is, as you think about your life today, are you living it to the glory of God? Are you living your life today to the glory of God? You know, I've done my best. I've done my best to give us some biblical solutions to the problem of worry, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're not right with God today, you do need to be worried. You do need to have some serious concerns if you're not right with God today. In fact, beyond having serious concerns about your soul, if you're not right with God today, you need to do something about that today. You need to do something about that right here and right now. So if we can help you with that in any way at all, if we can help you seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, if we can help you obey the gospel while God has blessed you with today and this moment, we'll be more than happy to do that. If you're willing to confess your faith in Christ and repent of your sins and obey 
the Lord's commandment to be immersed in water for forgiveness of sins. If you will do those things today, God will save you today. He'll wash away your sins today. And you can leave here right with God today. And committed to bringing him glory for as long as, as, long as he gives you to live on this earth. And so if there's someone here who needs to respond to the gospel at this moment. We're going to invite you to come right here and right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.